It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider making changes to the city code governing short-term rentals. In March, the Assembly failed to pass a one-year moratorium on new short-term rentals. Tonight's ordinance takes a different approach. If approved, beginning in mid-September 2022, properties will only be eligible for a short-term rental permit if the property in question is the applicant's primary residence. The Planning Commission approved the ordinance in a 3-to-1 vote last week. The new rules would only apply to properties in residential zones that require a conditional use permit to operate. It wouldn't change most of the rules for existing short-term rentals. They'll adhere to the guidelines set forth prior to this ordinance. However, it also adds one new restriction. Short-term rental permits cannot be transferred to a new owner when the property is sold. The ordinance would also extend the maximum short-term rental period from 14 consecutive days to 30. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Fees could rise for vendors at Harrigan Centennial Hall next year. When the Sitka Assembly met in a special meeting on Thursday, they heard a presentation from Centennial Hall manager Tony Rosas and consultant Lenise Henderson. The two were tasked in early March with updating the permitting system for the city-owned hub, where many tour groups congregate in downtown Sitka each summer. Rosas said the building is seeing more passengers than ever with the record-breaking tourist season. And one of the, the things that we had, had realized early on um, is uh, one of the biggest impacts of vehicle traffic now that we have quite a few more tourists coming through town um, is property, roads, um, infrastructure. Uh, it's getting used way more than what it ever has been. Right now, the city doesn't charge anything for vehicle pickups and drop-offs. The new plan would require a yearly permit for each vehicle, ranging from $250 for a six-passenger car to $1,000 for a vehicle carrying 30 or more passengers. Currently, the city charges vendors $400 for one of 10 available spaces in front of the hall and $500 for an outfitter space. If approved, the new plan would replace those fees with a sealed bidding process, requiring a minimum bid of $5,000. That didn't sit well with some tour operators in the audience. Melissa Henriksen owns Baranoff Tours. She said she understands the need to raise rates, but worried the bidding process and price would prove challenging. We're all getting along very well. All of the vendors, there's only four vendors that are down there. There's way too many people, and I think $5,000 is a big chunk for anybody trying to start in, and above $5,000 would be way too much for many of us. No decisions on the plan were made on Thursday, but Assembly members offered guidance to city staff. Some suggested a permit renewal schedule of three or five years, rather than requiring vendors reapply every year. Others suggested a lower minimum bid to vie for a space at Centennial Hall. Rebecca Hemshoot wanted to know if there was a way to prioritize local businesses. We have people who have operated here for 20 years plus. I don't want to see someone come from outside, and I, I know that doesn't sound great, but I want to honor the businesses that have been here growing Sitka. Uh, And I'm afraid if we have like a closed bid and some outside entity like a cruise ship comes in and outbids all of our local operators, they're just belly up. Like that's, that's a concern I have. And so, but I don't know if it would even be legal to give a priority to local. 
Most assembly members felt the framework brought forth by Rosas and Henderson was a good jumping off point and agreed that the fees need to be updated. They've remained the same for 20 years. Tor Christensen said the extra wear and tear on the Centennial building needed to be taken into account. This plan is owned by every citizen of Sitka. And I think getting some re a reasonable return on it is, is important. While the assembly made no final decisions on how to update Harrigan Centennial Hall's fee structure, code changes must be approved by the assembly at a future meeting in order for the plan to be enacted. As tourists return to Alaska, communities across the state are discussing the social, economic, and environmental impacts of summer travelers. One business that started up this year in Sitka hopes to create a sustainable model for hosting tourists through an activity that doesn't get much attention in Alaska. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel reports. It's low tide on a clear blue skied morning as Ellie Schmidt leads a group of visiting cruise passengers to the waterline for a snorkel tour. But the group isn't in the tropics, and they're not in the usual beach attire. Instead, they're wearing thick wetsuits on the rocky shores of Sitka, Alaska's Magic Island State Park. We're going to put on our gloves and our hoods. Um, so hoods are going to go underneath your suit, and you can have us or each other help you, like, tuck it all the way in. Okay. Um, Strands of bull kelp bob on the water's surface. Below, a thriving kelp forest home to vibrant sea stars, urchins, and jellyfish awaits. Back at the shop, I asked the snorkelers how they chose this somewhat unusual attraction. Yeah. Who can say they snorkeled in Alaska? Not many people, so. Yeah. At least where we're from. Yeah, I think really not very many. I've never even heard of it, snorkeling in Alaska, until this trip. Even on a summer day like today, water temperatures won't go above 55 degrees. But Schmidt, founder of Selkie Snorkels in Sitka, says it's part of what makes snorkeling in Alaska so special. I think there's sort of this post-snorkel high that you get when you get out of the water, the cold water. There's this like hyper-rich, nutritious water that creates incredible abundance of biodiversity and animals um, that's really striking and unique. Selkie Snorkels opened this June, only two short months after Schmidt conceived of the business. While snorkeling may not be a quintessential Alaska pastime, Schmidt hopes Selkie Snorkels can be an eco-friendly attraction for summer visitors. I think from a standpoint of a tourism industry that's focused a lot about around fishing, which of course is wonderful, it's kind of cool to have tourism that's just focused on looking and maybe taking photos. The idea of eco or sustainable tourism is not a new one, but in rural destinations like Sitka, it remains especially relevant. According to Cornell professor and sustainable tourism expert Megan Epler-Wood, sustainability looks different in every community, but the framework is always the same. The idea would be that tourism doesn't damage the environment uh, where it, you know, where visitors visit, and that it doesn't, you know, like hurt the chances of local people to prosper where they live. As tourism returns to Sitka in record-breaking numbers this summer, the city has been embroiled in conversations about how best to handle the strain on local resources. It's unclear what the future of tourism in Southeast will look like. But according to Wood, businesses like Selkie can play a part in protecting vulnerable ecosystems. We have a lot of good research on ecotourism because it's been around the longest, um, where you see that it really has contributed to the conservation of natural areas. It, it absolutely does provide revenue and a reason uh, for people to conserve their natural environment. Fred Drake runs a snorkeling operation in Ketchikan, perhaps the first in Southeast. His company, Snorkel Alaska, has been up and running for nearly 20 years. 
Like Schmidt, he fell in love with the intricate ecosystems beneath Southeast's frigid waves. First of all, there's more marine life in our intertidal zone than there are most places in the world, and people don't realize that. You look at the surface of the water, it looks black, it looks so dark. As soon as you put your face in the water, there's all this color. While he's never labeled himself a sustainable tourism company, his goal has always been to share and educate people about the beauty of Alaska's ocean life. You know, these creatures are harvested by commercial divers like extreme here in southeast Alaska. Cucumbers, sea urchins, giant gooey duck clams, they're all just, I mean, they take so much of it out of the water, ship it all over the Asian Japan for profit. You know, we're, we're educating people about them, letting them handle them, take photos with them, and then we're putting them back. Like Selkie, Drake's customers are majority cruise ship passengers, but he says his business still holds value for the locals. I can't tell you how many locals have come back and thanked me for introducing them into the underwater world here. Schmidt hopes in the coming summers, her business too can benefit the community by making snorkeling more accessible to locals and tourists alike. It'd be great if we could do sort of like educational snorkels in the future or have sort of more co-op style where we're sharing gear. Schmidt says she plans on returning for next summer's tourist season. And while it's unclear exactly what Selkie will look like in the future, it's clear snorkeling in Sitka is here to stay. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. Petersburg police officers are starting to write tickets to residents who are showing no effort in preventing bears from getting into their trash. That's according to police chief Jim Kerr, who addressed the borough assembly August 15th. To try and get the bear issue to drop before school starts, we started issuing citations. The borough passed a new garbage law last year that requires residents to make a reasonable effort to secure garbage. That could mean storing bins indoors until the morning of pickup or securing the lids with ratchet straps. The borough does not supply or require bear-proof trash cans. They provide large plastic bins with flip-up lids. Black bears tip them on their sides and pull out the contents, often scattering it around. Kerr said most residents do their part in preventing problems. He says his officers aren't writing many tickets. The citations are issued to people who make zero attempt. These are the people that just left it out there, no strap on. So those are the ones who were getting the citations. In the past, the police department would focus on educating the public about bears. That effort ramped up in 2020 when an unusually high number of bears roamed the streets because of the poor salmon and berry season. The police teamed up with local wildlife officials to convey the message, if bears can't find food, they'll leave town. The ordinance states that residents are responsible for securing their garbage until 8 a.m. the day it's scheduled to be picked up by collectors. Kerr said that he told his officers they should be lenient starting at 7.30 a.m. to allow people to put out their trash before they go to work. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. (music) 